0: Welcome to the FBCLB podcast where you'll find the preaching of Dave Delaney, pastor of the First Baptist Church of Long Beach. Thanks for listening. Romans chapter number 1, verse number 14, 15, 16, and 17 this morning for our scripture reading. I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So, as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the Gospel to you that are at Rome also. for I am not ashamed of the Gospel of Christ. For it, the Gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. These four verses are perhaps uh, among the most popular verses in all of the book of Romans. We've already said this, but verse number 17 is actually the key verse that unlocks the door to the rest of the chapter. It's it's kind of the verse that you really got to be able to wrap your mind around and understand in order to understand everything else that Paul is saying later. Next week, Lord willing, we'll tackle verse number 17. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, for as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Man, how important it is it for us to have faith in our lives? Where should we put our faith? Who can we put our faith in? All those questions we'll attempt to answer next week. For today, it'll be verse number 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for the gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. This is the Apostle Paul writing this. Seems interesting, doesn't it? That if you were not ashamed of the Gospel, that you would not have to say that you were not ashamed of the Gospel. If if you were bold in the Gospel of Christ, if you were never embarrassed of it, if you were never ashamed of it, if it never made you kind of wonder, should I say something, should I not say something? If you never felt those feelings, well then you, would, you wouldn't have to say, I've never felt those feelings. As a matter of fact, the reason why you would say that is because perhaps you have been ashamed of it. I wonder for you and for me, What is it about what God is doing in our lives? What is it about God's purposes for our families? What is it about what God is asking us to do? Perhaps as it relates to our children, or our parents, or forgiveness, or our job, whatever it may be. What is it that you and I are ashamed of? Well, if somebody found out that I went to church, oh boy, right? Well, what is it? That we are ashamed of. And why should we not be ashamed of it? That's what we'll try to answer this morning. Let's bow for prayer, shall we? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we ask that you would use your word in our hearts and lives. And in Jesus' name we pray. And all the church said together, amen. amen. Last week we, ca- we tackled verse 14, verse 15. Man, we said verse 14, this is Paul saying that he wanted to be faithful to the obligations of the gospel. I am debtor. He's not a debtor to God. Grace does not make you a debtor to God. Grace makes you a debtor to those who have not yet heard about the grace that God is offering. Grace is freely offered to you and to me. and Grace in no way obligates us to God. If God gives us grace, and then once we receive that grace, we have to earn it we have to keep it, we're indebted to God because we have received it, well then it is no longer grace. It's like someone saying, I have a brand new, completely free iPhone XR for you. And you go, wow. Well, let me have it. Well, first, what I need you to do is give me your credit card information and then make 13 payments of $700 each, and then this phone will be yours for free. How many of you know that's not free? So grace is freely given from God to you and to me. And yet Paul says, because I have received this grace On the basis of receiving the grace, I am a debtor. But who is he a debtor to? We talked about this last week. Paul is a debtor to the Greeks, to the barbarians, to the wise and to the unwise. Which is uh, a, a way of saying that Paul is a debtor to those who have not yet heard the Gospel yet. For those who have not yet believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, those who have not yet been saved, those who have not yet by faith through grace accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior Paul says, I'm obligated to tell the people in my life about the good grace of God Almighty. Then we said in verse number 15 last week that he was fervent for the opportunities of the gospel look at verse number 15. So okay so because he has this obligation he, So, or this is what the hinge is. So, as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are in Rome also. We said Paul was two things in that verse. Two things that are lacking today. Paul was reliable and Paul was dependable. Paul made himself rather available and dependable. Paul made himself available to God. Man, so much as in me is, God, I want to be available to you. Man, is that your prayer this morning? Did you come in the back door of church this morning saying, God, I'm available. Whatever it is in my life, whatever area of my heart, there's nothing off limits. You can point out anything. God, I'm available. But then Paul also says, I'm dependable. So much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. Then we ended last week with this really big question What is your Rome? Remember Rome? This is, this is not a good place to go. This is not a place that's friendly toward Christians. And yet Paul says, I'm ready to go there. The hardest place. What is that hard place for you to preach the Gospel? To talk about Jesus? To talk about the good things that God is doing in your life? What is that hard place... And are you and am I, like Paul, saying, man, I'm available and I'm dependable. God, give me the opportunity so I can tell someone about you. Now we come this morning to verse number 15. And here's the simple point, 1.3 subpoints to help us understand it. Here it is. Paul is fearless at the opposition toward the gospel. Paul is fearless at the opposition toward the gospel. Paul says the reason that I do not have to be afraid, the reason I do not have to be uh, embarrassed, the reason I do not have to feel shame or guilt, the reason, the basis for this freedom from shame and guilt and embarrassment, the basis of that, the foundation of that, is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Every person in this room knows what it is like to be embarrassed about something. Chances are, if you think about just your last week, there was probably an event that caused you to turn a little blush in the cheek. Maybe you misspoke at the office. Maybe you uh, overextended, overpromised something. We all know what it's like to be embarrassed. Never forget preaching. One of my first sermons I've ever preached, I stood up, began to preach. Man, I thought I was going really good. I thought things were going really well. And then I noticed down on the front row, my youth pastor was sitting, and he's sitting on the front row, and he's trying to get my attention. And I thought he was trying to get my attention because I was doing so good. And he was like, trying to get my attention. Way to go, Dave, keep it up. You're doing awesome. But he's not. He's doing this. And then he goes, your zipper is down. That's an embarrassing moment. Never to be forgotten in the course of public speaking. (laughs) Never lose that lesson, right? And so many times we find ourselves in, in positions and in situations where we're embarrassed, where we're ashamed. So suppose somebody brags to their friends at how they can outrun all the other kids at school. They can outrun everybody in the neighborhood. So the kids in the neighborhood, the kids at school, set up a race. They, they bring along this, this new kid who you, you didn't know. Man, they put you on the line. Mark, you set, go. And man, off you go running your race. And you were bragging about how you could beat everybody in the race. But then you lose that race in front of the entire school. That's, that's embarrassment he feels. That's shame that you feel. So Suppose you put a lot of stock into how you look, you're having your hair done the right way, having your clothes in, in perfect taste, and so you're, in, you're invited to a party. You check with other people who are going to the party who you assume are reliable counselors or advisors, and they tell you about what to wear, they tell you about what to look or how to look, but when you show up, you realize that you're dressed totally wrong for the occasion. Well what are you in that moment? As soon as you walk into the room realizing you're dressed totally wrong for the occasion, man, you are you're embarrassed, you're ashamed. Maybe you put all your stock and all your confidence in investments and stock options. Man, you were bragging to everyone how you're going to make so much money because these stocks were going to take off. And man, how fickle the stock market is. And you were going to make all this money. Now you didn't make any money. What do you feel after that? You feel embarrassment. You feel, you feel shame. Well, why do you feel embarrassment? Why do you feel shame? Because all of these things where you put your confidence, where you put your trust, where you put perhaps even your hope or identity, you put your confidence in them and they failed you. And because they failed you, you feel embarrassed. Why? Because you put your confidence and trust in them. So what is it then that keeps us from being ashamed? What is it that keeps us from... Feeling embarrassed? What is it that keeps us from feeling guilt? Well, one answer would be achievement, right? Have faster legs. Have better advisors at what you're supposed to wear to the party. Keep more people informed on your financial making decisions. Just make sure you can keep it all together. Be strong enough. Be wise enough. Be savvy enough. Be crafty enough. Be ahead of everyone else, and you can get ahead of them, so that way you never have to feel embarrassed. So in other words, the only way then to go through the rest of your life trying to stay ahead of everyone else is to avoid any kind of feeling of shame or guilt, avoid any moments of transparency, avoid any type of, of honest uh, consideration for someone to help you. In, in other words, keep yourself in the best light possible. Never let anyone know that you're having a bad day. I wonder, is that is that possible for you? because that just sounds exhausting. As I, I know the times in my life when I've tried to act like I've got it all together, those are the times, man, where I feel myself coming unraveled. Anybody else in the room feel like that? Man, the times in my life where I feel like I have to make sure I have it all put together so that way everyone thinks that I can be the perfect parent, man, those are the times Man, I feel it all coming unravel. My kids acted out in the store and now I feel all embarrassed because of the person behind me. Man, you, you have to go through life, in other words, trying to avoid, trying to overachieve, I wonder if this is what Paul has in mind in verse number 16 when he says, for I am not ashamed. I wonder if he has in mind. Keep yourself from ever being ashamed. Don't ever let anyone know that you need help and never let your guard down and always always stay ahead of the crowd. I wonder if that's what he means. I wonder if Paul means when he says, look, look, not ashamed of the gospel. I wonder if he means by that, I've never let anyone see the dark side, the, the back side, the, the struggle, the fight. I, I've never let anyone see the, the real me. Is it, is it, here's the word, right? Authentic. I've never let anyone see me authentically who I am or for who I am. Well, in fact, if you read the Bible, if you read anything about the Apostle Paul's life, it's actually just the opposite. You know, in Paul, in his writings, instead of always trying to paint himself in a good light, do you know what the Apostle Paul said about himself? The Apostle Paul said, I am the chiefest among sinners. I'm the chiefest among sinners, which is, like, out of all the sinners in all the world, in all the places, I've got all of them beat. Paul said that about himself. You can read in 2 Corinthians chapter number 11. I think you have it in your notes, verse number 23. And I I am more, in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prison more frequent, in deaths often... Of the Jews, five times I received forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Thrice I, sh- I suffered shipwreck. A night in the day, in, uh, a night in the day, I have been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea. How many of you get the point? Paul's been in a lot of difficulty. Paul. Paul's gone through a lot of heartache. Paul has been put in a lot of difficult positions in his life. So in other words, Paul's way of not being ashamed was not... Him trying to keep himself always in the best light, never having a bad day, always pretending that he was savvy enough, always trying to overachieve, making sure everybody always liked him and making sure he always had everyone's approval. This wasn't the way the Apostle Paul went through life. No, instead the Apostle Paul went through life by saying, verse number 16, look at it with me again, for I am not ashamed. Well, so how then? If it's not achieve, okay, Pastor, if it's not overachieving, if it's not avoid letting anybody know that you're having a difficulty or that you're struggling, if it's not those things, well then what is it that keeps us from being ashamed? Well, it's three things. Number notice number one. Notice number one. Man, notice the subject. The subject for why the apostle Paul is not ashamed. Look at it again, verse number 16. For I am not ashamed of myself. Is that what he said, yes or no? Oh, with like four people, and help me out. Okay, is that what he said, yes or no? No, that's not what he said. For for I am not ashamed because I've done everything perfect. Is that what he said, yes or no? No. No, for I am not ashamed. Not ashamed of what? I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. So maybe you hear this one and you say, well, pastor, who is Christ? Who is Christ? Well, look at verse number 3, verse number 4, verse number 5 of that very same chapter. Concerning His Son, speaking of God, concerning His Son, God's Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared, so Jesus was, declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection of the dead, by whom we have received grace and apostleship for the obedience to the faith among the nations for his name. So Paul has already answered the question of who Jesus Christ is. Jesus Christ was 100% man, and he was 100% God, and he came into this world, he came onto this earth, For you and for me to give us the grace that was extended from God, His Father toward you and me. Jesus Christ was abandoned by his friends. He was falsely accused of blasphemy. He was beaten with rods. He was ridiculed and taunted. He was stripped of his clothes. He was scourged with a whip that they called the cat of nine tails. He was tortured in public. He was spat upon. He was beaten. He was made to look like a fool as people hollered at him while he hung on the cross. Oh, this man can save others, they said, but he cannot save himself. And what did Jesus do with all that shame? What did Jesus do with all of that embarrassment? Well, the writer of Hebrews tells you, Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 2, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, here it is, despising the shame. And is set at the right hand, is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So, what did Jesus do with all the embarrassment? What did Jesus do with all the shame? What did Jesus do with all the ridicule? Jesus despised it. That was the phrase in Hebrews 12 despising the shame. Well, what does it mean then to despise the shame? It means that when shame begins to threaten the heart, when shame began to threaten Jesus' heart, when it began to tempt him to cause him to abandon his mission from God, when it began to tempt him to cause him to forsake obeying God, his Father, when it began to lead him astray, it be. Despising the shame is witnessing back, speaking back at, reminding yourself, man, I'm not here for myself, but I'm here to obey God. Jesus says this in the garden when he says, not my will, but thine be done. In essence, Jesus says to shame, shame I despise you. I will not yield to you. I will not give you the satisfaction of being done away with me. You can can do whatever you want with me. That's fine. And they certainly did in the short run. But Jesus does not follow shame. He does not obey shame. He does not give in to shame. He does not yield to shame. He refuses to allow embarrassment, guilt, and shame to rule over him. Well, how? How? I mean, Jesus did that. Certainly it's probably a good method for you and for me. How did he do that? Notice Hebrews chapter 12, verse number two. He's despising the shame, how? And is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Look right before that verse, rather. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross and despising the shame. So he set his heart, look here, he set his heart on something that was not support for the present, and instead he put his heart on something that was joy for the future. Who was Jesus' joy for the future? That was you. That was me. Who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross what was the joy in the cross for the Lord Jesus Christ? This is it. The joy in the cross for the Lord Jesus was that he was obedient to God his Father and he made a way for you and for me to have access to God through himself. So though he was being, look here, though he was being shamed, though He was being embarrassed, though He was being mocked, Jesus was not ashamed. You understand the difference? Though he was being shamed, though he was being embarrassed, though he was being mocked, Jesus was not ashamed. He was not embarrassed. He was not mocked. He did not lose that love that he had for you and for me, and he did not lose that willingness to be obedient to God his Father. Where did he get that love? Where did he learn that love? He learned it from God his Father. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever belie- believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus went to the cross, endured the cross, endured the shame, endured the embarrassment because he loved you and wanted to make a way for you to be with him for all of eternity. Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Listen, if it were the gospel of Dave Delaney, you would have a lot to be ashamed of. And before you're too hard on me, like, yeah, that pastor, I know stuff about him. If it were the gospel according to your name, you would have much to be ashamed of as well. But it's the gospel according. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. That's the subject. Notice number two, the sufficiency. Why? So so how is the gospel... Of Jesus Christ the life death burial and resurrection of Jesus how is this enough to not cause us to give into shame no why is it enough that we do not have to give into embarrassment or to guilt well here's why because it is the power of God for salvation do you see it in your verse look at verse number 16 I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ that's our subject because of the sufficiency of the gospel, the sufficiency of the gospel, the completeness or or, or the, the, the the complete the wholeness of the gospel in that it does what in that it is the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. In other words, the gospel Paul says here supplies two things that everyone graves. it supplies power and it supplies righteousness, or the word in the text is salvation. Every heart longs for power. You, you know this. I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. Every heart longs for power. It longs for control. We love to think that we are in control. We love to think that we have influence. We love to f- Think and flex our muscles like we have this power to get ourselves through our lives. But how many of you are like me so many times in life, man, life's circumstances bring, uh, life brings circumstances my way where I am daily, daily aware that I don't have the power that I need in order to get to the end of the day today, right? Think of how little control you actually have in your life. Chances are you probably have plans for lunch, but what guarantee do you have that you will get to those plans what what control do you really have you can receive one phone call by the end of the day today and your entire week could be thrown off culture. You, you, you could receive one medical diagnosis this week and your entire, your entire next six months completely altered. But we were supposed to go on vacation. But we were supposed to do this and we were supposed to do that. Think of how little control we actually have over our own lives. The one thing we all long for, power, control. Man, the heart craves it, but none of us have it. But also notice righteousness... Every heart, even right now, your own heart is battling to try to find its own righteousness. Righteousness is, is simply understood a right standing before God. So every heart is battling out, is fighting for it, is looking to find a reason for why it is righteous. It's justifying why I made the decision I made. And if, and if you understood all the stuff that I understand, and if, Pastor, if you were in my position, you would have made the same thing. And, and besides, I know people who have done things far worse than I've done. Because Sister So-and-So, she did this. Right? Oh, you get quiet. you're going to get quiet on that one? He said, every heart is trying to justify, rationalize, trying to earn righteousness. This is why Paul says, man, and they comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. This is a foolish endeavor. Why? Because if you just feel better that, about yourself because you're better than me, then that's not enough. This is not enough to grant you a right standing with God. God doesn't, in the end, stand you next to me and go, Well, were you better than Dave? Yep, you got him beat. Sorry, Dave, you're out and flick me over into oblivion and then elevate you into eternity. That's not how it works. Is that every heart longing for power, every heart longing for righteousness? And we do, we do all sorts of things to try to justify and rationalize and earn this righteousness. And this is the difference between the message of Christianity, the Gospel of Christ, and every other religion in the world. Because every other religion in the world says you must do something to earn you a righteous standing with God. You must be religious. You must give tithes. You must help the poor. You must practice these 12 principles. You must follow the teaching of Buddha. Or or you must follow the teaching of Islam. Or you must be uh, devout in your practice of Hinduism. You must do all these things. And if you do all these things and beat all your other competition out, and if you achieve enough and avoid uh, ever knowing the truth about yourself, then in the end, just maybe, you will have righteousness enough to stand in front of God. But the message of Christianity says absolutely not. Because we know ourselves better than anyone else knows us. And we, like the Apostle Paul, if we were honest, we'd have to say I am the chiefest among sinners. I mean if you knew me the way that I know me, you would not bother listening to the rest of the sermon. But if I knew you the way you know you, I wouldn't bother giving the rest of the sermon. Because we know in ourselves we can't do enough. We can't be good enough. We can't be righteous enough. We can't be holy enough. And we needed another righteousness. And that's why God sent Jesus into this world. He came in this world, born of a virgin, lived a perfect sinless life, died an atoning death on the cross, and then raised gloriously from the grave. And then Paul says he imputed that righteousness, or he gives that Righteousness to you and to me by faith through grace. Oh, and this righteousness, it has all the power necessary because it is the power of God unto salvation. It is the power of God. Unto salvation. The the message of Christianity is not just come and be a convert. The message of Christianity is God sent Jesus to save you from your sins. So come and be a child and be adopted into His family. Every other religion, they're just, trying to, they're just trying to find converts. Just follow these teachings. The message of Christianity is not simply follow a teaching. The message of Christianity is know the person and believe in the person, the Lord Jesus Christ. Every other religion, these are the principles you need. These are the works you must do. The message of Christianity says this is the work that was done for you by Jesus Christ. on the cross this is the power of God unto salvation you want to know what the power of God looks like you want to know what God flexing his muscles looks like it looks like Jesus Christ wrapped in flesh living a perfect life dying and atoning death and then raising gloriously from the grave for you and for me and you go pastor what but why would he do that Why would God love us that way? And that's just the answer, isn't it? Here's why. Because He loves you, that's why. Because He loves you with an everlasting, eternal, infinite, hear me, all-knowing kind of love. Look, look, we've said this over and over. God knows everything there is to know about you. And He loves you anyway. God knows everything. God knows every thought. God knows every word. God knows every deed. God knows everything about you, and He still chooses to love. Even the ugly parts, He still chooses to love you. He still chooses to send His Son to die for you. This is the sufficiency of the Gospel. This is the power of God. It's seen in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul says, oh, I'm not ashamed of the Gospel. Why? Because the the subject of the Gospel is the Lord Jesus Christ. Because of the sufficiency of the Gospel, it is the power of God. In a world where everyone's trying to find control, in a world where everyone's trying to get influence, in a world where everyone's trying to earn righteousness, this is the power of God. It is sufficient. I am not Ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it is the power of God for salvation. Last one. But notice the simplicity of the gospel. Here it is. Everything working to this one singular point the simplicity of the gospel. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. That's the subject of the gospel. That's the reason we don't have to be ashamed. My record isn't on the line. Your record isn't on the line. We're the chiefest among sinners. If you knew me the way I know me, you wouldn't waste your time. You can't call me any name that I don't know to be ten times more true about myself. I'm not ashamed of the Gospel. Because it's the Gospel of Christ. And it is the power of God. It's sufficient. It controls the influence, the righteousness. What everyone else is trying to earn. Christ purchased on our behalf and He freely gives to all those who do what? Notice the last phrase, the simplicity of. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that earns it by being religious, giving money to the church, saying nice things about the pastor, raising perfect children... Let's reiterate that point about saying nice things about the pastor. Is that what it says? That's not what it says. No, it is the power of God to who? Who is it available to? Only only the nice people? Only the religious people? Who, Who is it made? Only the moral people? Only the people with no baggage? Only the people with no regret? Only the people with no past? Only the people with no story? That's who it's made available to? It's only made available to them. Is that what it says? No. It's available to who? To everyone that believeth. And Paul later on would say the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. You can call the message of Christ foolish if you want to, but in the end, the simple message of the gospel, the simple call of the gospel is to believe on Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. That's it. Romans chapter 4, verse number 16. Therefore, it is of faith, speaking of the gospel, therefore, it is of faith that it might be of grace. You see, if if there were any requirement other than believe, then it would not be grace, would it? If there were any other requirement other than believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, then it would not be grace. What if, look here, consider the ramifications of this. What what if God said, everyone who wants to be saved must run around the block in under 10 minutes? Well, you might think, well, that's simple enough for me. I can do that. But aren't there some that couldn't? Aren't there some among us, perhaps crippled, that can't run? Have no, they have no strength or ability to be able to run around the block? So they're out. Gospel's not available to them. But What if God said, everyone who wants to be saved must read every chapter in the Bible? Well, it might be simple enough for you. Chances are you probably haven't hung out on Leviticus, Numbers, First and Second Chronicles lately. But it might be easy enough for you. You might could power through it. But aren't there some among us that can't read? Aren't there people in our world that can't read? They can't be saved then. And what if God said, everyone who mu- who wants to be saved must give $100. Well, or aren't there some that can't give $100? You see, any requirement apart from believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved removes the offer of the gospel from by faith, through grace, two uh, available to everyone, to, only available to those that can run fast. Only available to those that have money. Only available to those that read. And you go, come on pastor, that's silly. God doesn't, God doesn't expect us to run around the block. And just like God does not expect you to earn righteousness from him by your own good works or good doings. It's just as silly in the eyes of God. So my call to you is this then. It is by faith. Hear hear the verse. By faith that it might be of grace. So will you or have you or should you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ this morning? I'm, I'm, I'm asking you, just me and you in the room for just a moment have you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and in Christ alone this morning? I'm not asking you where you went to church. I'm not asking you what your parents' denomination was. I'm not asking you what you did last weekend. I'm not asking you what past you have. I'm asking you, will you this morning put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and in Christ alone? If you're here this morning, you've never put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, you know, our plea with you would be believe today on the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have people who prepared to help you do that. We would love to talk with you about that. Maybe even the person that brought you, that you're sitting with, It doesn't matter to me if you've been a member for 50 years or if this is your first time at First Baptist. Have you put your faith and trust in Christ and Christ alone? This is the necessary ingredient for salvation. This is the necessary ingredient to see the power of God at work in your life. Maybe you're here this morning you have put your faith and trust in Christ. You've believed. There's been that time in your life. I remember I was a four-year-old kid. I remember sitting in revival service. And I don't really remember much about the service except that the pastor was preaching about where you go... If you die without Jesus Christ, and he looked, and I thought he was talking right to me. It was like there was a tunnel, and he looked right at my four-year-old little face, and it seemed like he took his finger that seemed to stretch on for about 13 yards, and he just did this, and he said, If you die without Jesus Christ, you will go to hell. And I remember sitting there as a four-year-old boy, listening to that, going, I I don't want to go there. I leaned over to my mom and I grabbed my mom's hand and I said, I don't want to go there. She shared some verses with me. I didn't completely understand. Later on that evening, I'm laying in bed. I couldn't go to sleep. I started crying. My mom walked by the room. My dad walked by the room, said, be quiet, go to bed. And then my mom walked by the room. Mom's always more compassionate. My mom walked by the room. I said, David, why are you crying? I said, because if I do not believe in Jesus, then I have to go to hell And I can't go to heaven with God. And I can't go to heaven with you and dad. mean, she picked me up out of the bed. She took me into the living room. She opened the Bible. She showed me from the Bible what Jesus did on my behalf. And man, as a four-year-old boy kneeling down in my living room, I accepted the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart to be my personal Lord and Savior. Has my life been perfect? Has my life been perfect? Ho, 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 ho. Hold Hold on, hold on, hold on. Has my life been perfect? Nope. Yeah, 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 you're a pastor, though. You don't do stuff as bad as I do. Oh, listen, if you knew me the way that girl right there knows me, you wouldn't say that? No, no. The question is, put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe on him today. If you have believed on him, here's my question for you then. Are you ashamed of what he's doing in your heart and life? Do you find it difficult to speak about what God is doing? Do you find it difficult to witness to your neighbors? Are you, do you find yourself hesitant, man, not so courageously speaking out about God and good in your life? Hey, let us all, like the Apostles Paul, be able to say, let us all decide, make the decision today to be able to say, like the Apostle Paul, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it is the power of God unto salvation to anyone that believeth. The message is not about me. The message is not about you. The message is not about First Baptist Church. It's not about us. The beauty of the gospel is it is all about the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did for us.